0: either one of these any good wow this is a good movie it's pretty good well the director from yesterday doesn't think so it stinks you sorry you waste all our film it's so bad does anything have the strength to dethrone top gun maverick this week probably not uh but that doesn't mean there's not some good flicks to check out good flicks to talk about we're gonna do it Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com, and we've got a lot of horror stuff this week, which is good. And we'll start with one. In a future where humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations, celebrity performance artist Saul Tenzer and his partner Caprice publicly showcase the metamorphosis of organs in avant garde performances. The latest from David Cronenberg is Crimes of the Future. Surgery is sex, isn't it? Is it?
1: Mm. You know it is. Surgery is the new sex.
0: I don't like what's happening with the body. In particular, what's happening with my body. Which is why I keep cutting it up. Let us not be afraid to map the chaos inside. Create a map that will guide us
1: into the heart of
0: darkness. Even if you didn't know who was making this movie, if I read you that synopsis, you'd probably say, that sounds like a David Cronenberg movie. It surely does. And when you see the movie, it looks like a Dav- David Cronenberg movie. In fact, maybe the most Cronenbergiest. <laughs> I mean, it's almost, as you said in the written review, it's it's... It's almost meta Cronenberg. Yeah. I mean, it it refers back to his own resume, you know, his own list of films. So much you're gonna if you if you've seen a lot of Cronenberg, if you're a fan, you're gonna recognize so many other films in this, and it's it's a fascinating movie. But it's not for everyone. I know no movie is for everyone, but the the, the squeamish need not apply.
1: Right, because he is the master, like the bar none, the master of body horror. And one of the things that I think is fascinating about him, you know, as, as sort of uh, scanners aside, is that there, it's not usually very bloody, his horror films are not. Now, of course, he hasn't made a horror film, not an outright horror film, since 1988, since uh, Dead Ringers, which was a, a movie, a sort of <laughs> psychosexual movie about mutant organs right. and surgery as is this film.
0: Yeah, and even if they're not bloody, they can sure make you squirm oh, for and sure. uncomfortable. I mean, look at Den Ringers. All you have to do is bring out a still photo of those implements. Oh,
1: my God, And yeah. you're going, oh, uh. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, he definitely knows how to make you squirm. There's no question about it. And, you know, he's made um, a lot of films in the last couple of decades that are, well, they're not horror films. And they're, they're great movies, and a couple of them, you know, I mean, they'd still be considered, I think, arthouse films. They weren't, like, mainstream blockbusters, but... Uh, a History of Violence and Eastern Promises, they, they were masterpieces
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and Oscar-nominated films, yeah. and they kind of put him in the spotlight. But then since then, he has continued to make those kind of art housey films that weren't horror, and not all of them hit e- e- not uh, box office and not really critically, not all the time. But to me, a lot of what's fascinating about this movie is that it feels almost autobiographical in that the, you know, Saul has to get to the point where he embraces the ugliness inside of him. Mm-hmm. And that to me feels a little bit like what Cronenberg is doing. Like for many years he's been kind of excising the horror from inside of him. And here he is back where he started in a way that feels and, and like you said, there's so it's so meta this movie. I mean he he outright or in a nuanced way he points to so many of his other movies, Videodrome in particular, oh, yeah, Videodrome. but Dead Ringers and The Brood and mm-hmm. Fly and a, a ton of his stuff.
0: Yeah, because the themes are very apparent, you know, stuff that has been running through his movies for a long time. And it starts with the movie starts with a, a weird sequence of a young boy basically eating a, like a trash can. Yeah. Um, and then we, we shift to these performance artists, Saul, played by Vigo Mortensen, and his partner Caprice played by Leah Sadu and they put on these these performances of him and his body modification and his uh, spotlighting his his transformations he even grows a new organ right and that attracts a lot of attention and which one of the things that uh, that calls back to uh, Videodrome is uh, Kristen Stewart refers to surgery as the new sex mm-hmm of course, that instantly makes you think of the new flesh from Videodrome. So that's just one of the things that calls back to his former films. But it's a a world where we, we don't want to give away too much about this. But the mystery of the young boy comes into play again toward the end. But there's a lot of these performances and there's a lot of body... There's surgery, and there's a lot of things that will make you squirm. Grotesque. Yeah, we we can't really stress that enough. You may have heard the stories of walkouts, of people, of of con, and if you have a certain aversion to that sort of thing, then you're going to want to stay far away from this movie. But if you don't, I don't think it's really that bad. Sure, I squirmed a couple of times, but you're right. It's it's not really bloody. Oh, not at all, no. It's just like watching... As as Cronenberg likes to do, implements go into human bodies and cutting and impaling and yeah. and things like that.
1: It's unnerving, uh, but there's something uh, sort of elegant, I think, and uh, and also grotesque in so much of of what he does. And I also think the performances. I mean, Diego Mortensen, he's just magnificent. Of course, he's kind of become. Cronenberg's uh, muse. Yeah. He's in so many of his films in the last two decades, and and I just thought he was great in this, and Leah Sidhu also great. Kristen Stewart was a lot of fun, I thought. She
0: was, and this is a bit of a, a different sort of... It's very animated, almost cartoonish a little bit in the way she delivers her lines. And then you've got Scott Speedman. He plays a, a, a mysterious character as well. We're trying to tiptoe around plot points here, but um, it is fascinating, and it's one that you'll think, if you make it through... Uh, the whole the whole film. And I figure if you, if you sit down for this, I think you'll probably know ahead of time. You, you know, this is the sort of thing that I can I can take. Um, and if you're a Cronenberg fan, for sure, I think you'll think about it as we did for a couple of days afterwards yeah. and maybe and may maybe reassess your uh, your feeling about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think I I, I liked it very much while I was watching and I liked it immediately after I was watching it, partly because it felt like a movie that was, I I am the target audience. Uh, David Cronenberg is one of my, you know, top five favorite filmmakers of all time. Mm-hmm. I love all of his movies and I particularly love his horror movies. So I felt like so many like the little sort of Easter eggs throughout were like gifts to me. Yeah. But then, you know, I thought to myself, well, is it really good or is it just because so much of it were like triggers for me? But then the longer I sat with it, the more I think the storyline and the kind of ecological horror that it is and and certainly the performances and the the wit Really um, stuck with me. Partly, I don't think I, I. I mean, it's not a laugh riot, but to me, it's it's easily the funniest movie he's ever made.
0: Yeah, and I think once it gets to the end, the message, the theme, the moral is not exactly subtle. But then I don't think he really ever has been. Um, it's it's very clear. I think I think what he's saying, and by the end, they pretty much just come out and say it uh, as they as they get to the mystery of this young boy and the secrets that maybe he was holding. Um, but yeah, I, I very much enjoy, it. I don't think I'm an overall Cronenberg as much of a Cronenberg fan as you are, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I really did. I've liked most of his films and, um, I like this one. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like this one. And it's, it's just, it's fascinating to watch. It just, is. Just be warned. If this is not your bag, if you're squeamish about this stuff. Stay, You'll know from the trailer. Yeah. Stay far away from, uh, <laughs> Crimes of the Future it is out now in theaters. And another horror thriller next in theaters as a serial killer stalks the city. Julia, a young actress who just moved to town with her boyfriend, notices a mysterious stranger watching her from across the street. It's called Watcher. What's happening? They found a woman murdered in her apartment. They're saying the woman had her head cut off. The man at the movie theater
1: followed me into the supermarket. Followed you? Sometimes I... Just look at people.
0: Just tell me what you want me to do. Want you do. to believe me.
1: Sure that you'd see me. I heard screaming from in here, okay? Just open the door, please!
0: Dreaming of the old pretty girl looking back at me. <gasps> but no one has really noticed before. So in this one, the new town that Julia and her husband is in is Bucharest, Romania, yeah. and that is a big move for Julia. Not so much for her husband, because her husband's mother was Romanian. So when they get to town, after she leaves her, her life in New York behind and joins him there, he feels right at home. Because
1: he, he speaks the language.
0: He speaks the language, and he can fits right, fit right in. And, and right away, writer-director here, Chloe Acuno, doesn't provide subtitles which right. is perfect it because is. that that instantly gets us to be sympathetic toward julia because she can't understand what anyone's saying and neither can we and uh, her husband um, francis is played by carl glusman who we've seen in a couple of gaspar noes he was in love had mm-hmm. a small part in lexitorna a little bit ago but uh, so they're there in in bucharest and he's Right away, off on this new job, high pressure, so he's got to stay out late and entertain clients and things like that. So she's in their apartment alone a lot, just as there are headlines about a serial killer who is in town. And then she starts to notice this man in the apartment house across the street that seems to just be staring at her. And the man is played by the effortlessly creepy Burn Gorman. Oh, How, yeah. How's that for a name? <laughs> Burn <laughs> Gorman. You've seen, his, you don't forget this guy's face. You've seen him yeah. in things like um, The Dark, Dark Knight Dark Rises. Rises yeah. And he's just a creepy dude. And right away when she starts airing the fact that she's uncomfortable, then sort of the games begin. Well, is, is he really being threatening to you? You're watching him too. And then is he following you or are you seeking him out? and following him around to see what he's doing, and that's when Akuno it, it really becomes clear that she's taking these very familiar, if, if you're a genre movie fan, you're going to recognize a lot of these building blocks, but then the way she uses them in a in a timely and unnerving new manner, that's what makes this film resonate.
1: I think you're right, though. I think it starts right from the the opening scene the the taxi ride to the hu- to the new apartment from the airport where the taxi driver is speaking to her husband in romanian and she can't understand it immediately what akuno does that separates this movie from other sort of voyeur horror is insists that we identify with the female character that almost never happens one right. of the things that is is a primary element of voyeur ho- horror is the objectification of the female character. We are watching her through the window, generally speaking. We are almost never on the her side of the window watching the watcher. And it is fascinating how with just very minor, subtle changes, that changes everything about this movie. I found this movie r- sometimes hard to watch. It was so unnervingly accurate yeah. about how frustrating it would be for this character... When no one really believes her and it's all of the men who are saying, you know, maybe he just has a crush on you. And how often in in life that happens that that you're quite certain of something and the rest of the world is telling you don't feel that way. Like it happens daily.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think it's on the heels of the uh, movie Men that we just talked about. Yeah. The same type of theme where it reminds you that that. Women have to face a, a a world daily life filled with possible threats and be on the lookout for possible threats. At the same time, they're being asked to not pay attention to, the, to them and and maybe go against their better judgment for the sake of being polite.
1: Yeah, there is the there's another female character. She befriends a neighbor, her next door neighbor, and she's telling the neighbor how stupid she feels because she's making this big deal that she thinks she's losing her mind she, but she does feel threatened by this person and, and the woman was like, she says good for you, right Better to embarrass yourself than to die with the words "I told you so on your lips right which is uh, it was a it was a brilliant sentence and it, and it was it's an important concept and it's one that this film, I don't think, honestly, that this film could have possibly been made this well without a female director. Oh, yeah. I don't uh, think it's possible.
0: Yeah, and this is the feature debut for Okuno. If you saw uh, VHS 94 a couple of years ago, she did maybe the best segment Our in favorite. there called Storm Drain. Uh, which
1: is set in Columbus,
0: Ohio. I know, which is great. Uh, so she did that segment, but now she's moving up to her first feature, and it is, it's is—it's very impressive. She does get the writing credit, although she's adapting someone else's screenplay, and it the screenplay is from a man. So I'm guessing she adapted it in very important ways. I don't know. I didn't read that other screenplay. I'm just guessing because of the things that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even down to just little nuances, like what what the first thing is that Francis's boss says when he meets Julia yep. things like that it oh, yeah. s- might seem innocuous but it's all this world that she has to to live in daily just compounded this compounds the fact that she's already a stranger in a strange land mm-hmm. and of course she's begging for people to believe her first and foremost her husband mm-hmm. who I, you know, is playing the quote-unquote nice guy, just as the, the bystander that you mentioned who talked about the crush, he's helpful, could be a nice guy. But are they? Are they being helpful? No.
1: Right. They're not being consciously unhelpful. They probably do see themselves as, as a nice exactly. guy, which is insidious. Right. Um, and one of the other things that I really loved about the film, I think we can't not mention how Perfect Micah Monroe was. In this oh film. yeah.
0: Did we not even mention it? it's Micah no. Monroe? I'm sorry. Yeah. Micah Monroe plays Julia and she is great. You probably remember her, if nothing else, from It Follows. Right. So good there. But here she she just strikes the perfect blend of of of, of strength, but yet confusion, a resolve, but she's she not only has to get people to believe her, but there's so much gaslighting going on. Yeah. She's got to she's got to remain keep the belief in her own self. Yep. Yeah, and not be be turned by everybody saying that, oh, it's, it's really, it, you know, it's nothing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And the best part is, through all that, it leads up to a really satisfying and bloody uh, finale. It does. So if you're looking for that, it is a satisfying finale as well. So, uh, yeah, well done for this one. And a really nice and nuanced feature debut for Chloe Acuna, who takes, as we said, familiar elements but if you, if you can find new ways to use them, as she does, it's always going to pay off, and it does here. And that is in theaters now, and it is called Watcher. <laughs> Boy, we got a, a nutty horror film next, and this one has two friends embarking on a horror-fueled road trip and live-streaming the most terrifying night of their lives. This is Dash Cam.
1: Hello? Listen, I just need you to take my friends somewhere nearby.
0: This is Angela, her and I, taking a trip.
1: You. Oh, did you, right. you find me? Oh. Shit. You should go see if she's on. Right. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> she found us! She's here! What?
0: <laughs> hey, what was that?
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What the f***ing hey, <laughs> f***ing? Where are you doing? <laughs> Where are you Interesting, it's from the people who made the guy who made Host, uh, yeah, the the Zoom horror from like maybe two years ago, which was so effective.
0: So effective, yeah. The director and co writer is Rob Savage, then the co writers are Gemma Hurley and Jeb Shepard, yeah. And this actually could be a really perfect bookend, a perfect double feature to that movie. This is not as good as that, but whereas Host centered on what happens when you're stuck inside, now this one moves outside it's still pandemic related but this takes it outside because it follows this character and and a lot of this movie <laughs> it's so nutty and a lot of this movie really will fall on how you respond to the main character Annie Hardy played by Annie Hardy she's a musician and she's playing a fictionalized version of herself and she hosts this live stream music show called Band Car while she drives around she calls it the internet's number 1 Improvisational music show filmed in a moving vehicle. I think it's something like that. So, yeah, very niche But she drives around, and she gets these ideas from comments and just comes up with these songs, a lot of times just filthy, just filthy songs, and it's in the middle of the pandemic. Well, it seems like it's the beginning of really serious lockdown in L.A., and she is a red hat-wearing trumper. All over the place, and that's one of the things that just makes her so obnoxious because she's (laughs) constantly, you know, going getting in the face of all these people that she calls sheep that are believing mass wears has no use for any of those. She's constantly trying to butt up against those rules, and she she finally breaks out and just wants to get away. And she flies over to England to visit her former bandmate, who's now living with a new girlfriend, and she instantly becomes very very obnoxious to them as well because he's living a new life and she and and the the um, new girlfriend is wears masks and takes precautions and there's this woman she's so hard to like and once things get dangerous you're probably thinking just kill her already <laughs> so that's one of the things this this uh, movie has to overcome but the more it went on I'm thinking well that's probably on purpose yeah. and it's so over the top that you get the feeling that this is where the film is going for some satirical social commentary that's not always successful. So anyway, she takes off in her old bandmate's car one night and tries to make some money by doing his food deliveries. And then when she makes this one stop, she's offered all this money by this woman to take an old lady to safety. And so she accepts the money and gets the old lady in the car. And then things start going off the rails. It's all filmed, I think, mainly on iPhones. And you've got so much going on. Frankly, it's hard to follow a lot of it. You've got all these live stream comments on the left side of the screen and all this quick cut action going on. And it just gets bonkers where it takes you. And it's only about, I think the thing is only about 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that actually includes a good number of minutes in the credits because the credits, any just improvises these lyrics about all the people in the credits as they roll by that, and they're put on the screen through comments. They look like comments. And she just makes up these filthy rhymes <laughs> about these people in the cast and crew that you want to stay for that. You really do. If you make it through this whole movie, you want to stay for it. But even though it's got horrific moments and it's got some scares, a couple of jump scares and some cool things happen in the background that she doesn't see because she's on her live stream, you see it, But it's also got this weird sense of humor that is, I'm sure, supposed to be satirical because even in the midst of all this craziness and horror and bloodshed that's going on, she still finds times to make these sticky comments like she's doing a performance. And at times I found it a real clash of tone. But on the other hand, I do respect them trying it. It's not nearly as good as host. But it's only, like I said, about 70 minutes, and it be a perfect, it would be an enjoyable double feature to fire up host and then just sort of a, a lighter, a more darkly comic version of the same type of theme, pandemic-type horror that doesn't really have an interest in, un, in trying to explain why this is going on. Who cares? Here it is. It's a dash cam. All this nutty. This is going on. Boom. So it's just a weird experience, and I think the best part of it is that it's being streamed. Right now it's on VOD. And it's just so short. So why not? <laughs> uh, it's But it's just completely nutty, and you will hate this woman <laughs> so much. <laughs> but please, stick around for her freestyle raps about the cast and crew uh, in the end. If you're going to watch this movie, you have to stay through for that. And that is on uh, VOD right now, the latest from the filmmakers behind Host. Uh, it's called Dashcam. And next up is a thriller close to our hearts. As Lennon fuels her desire for entree into a podcast featuring live music and conversations with the artists she so fervently admires, she finds inspiration for her own musical ambitions and a growing sense of misdirected identity. This is called Poser. I'm not going to call anyone out by name, but there's some fake ass musicians out there.
1: Are you like a stalker? Not a stalker. I right? host a podcast. Seeing scene here is small and concentrated. Musicians mingling and collaborating. I see these artists on stage and they have something that I don't. A certain kind of tenacity that almost feels superhuman. But the scene has a tendency of shifting from day to day. So this one is a theatrical release. It is beginning its release here in Columbus, Ohio, because this is where it was filmed and where its filmmakers live. But it will be broadening its range, its reach over the next few months. So keep an eye out for it in your communities because it is absolutely worth seeing.
0: Yeah. And and full disclosure, we are friends with pretty much everyone involved here now. (laughs) Uh, Certainly because one of the stars, uh, Sylvie Mix, is one of the leads in our upcoming movie, Obstacle Corpse. And we've come to know the writer and co-director, Noah Dixon, and the co-director, Ori Segev. And the producers Drew Johnson and Brett Ryder. So full disclosure, we know all these people, <laughs> but that has nothing to do with the fact that we are recommending this movie because it is it is fascinating. You've got this character that Sylvie Mix plays Lennon. And yeah, she's she's doing this podcast. And I love the the line they use that I'm not I'm not a I'm not a stalker. I host a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so we're I think we're gonna get t-shirts or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, she gets entry into the Columbus, Ohio music scene, and it uses uh, many great real bands from yes, here in Columbus yeah. that are definitely worth uh, worth hearing for sure. And she sort of, you know, starts running in those circles, and she has some really interesting things to say too. When you listen to what she says on her podcast, some interesting uh, theories and and beliefs about music and and appreciating and things like that. But then she strikes up a real friendship with uh, Bobby Kitten, who. Is another real person playing a fictionalized version of herself because she's the lead singer of the band Damn the Witch Siren uh, here in town. So uh, she strikes Lennon strikes up a big uh, friendship with Bobby, and then things start to get interesting because there starts she she starts to have a a tenuous grip on her own identity and how she feels about fitting in and finding her own voice.
1: Yeah, and uh, and it's it's they're a great. Pairing uh, Bobby Kitten and Sylvie Max. Sylvie's character, Sylvie's approach to the character, she's very, very introverted, big eyes, yes. very quiet, always observing. It's such a it's such a, a contained and really lovely performance as opposed to Bobby Kitten, uh, another great performance, but but just really enigmatic and and. Really, she draws you. She's magnetic, and and mm-hmm. you feel it with the two characters. Yeah, they have such a great rapport. These two actors on screen, they look great when they're sort of corresponding with each other, feeding off each other's energy. I just thought that it was very believable, really believable. Also, the other thing that uh, the music in this movie is so great. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how it's set in Columbus, and it, and it really loves the Columbus music scene, but it, it doesn't mention it specifically. It, doesn't. it could be any uh, super cool urban area on Earth that w- just has, like, a burgeoning art scene. Right,
0: which I think is great because, number one, it doesn't seem like it's trying too hard right. to say, look how cool we are. And, it, yes, it, it feels more universal that mm-hmm. way, even mm-hmm. though people that are from here are very much going to, have to uh, identify places and some of these bands. And it looks fantastic. The cinematography is great. Oh, it's gorgeous. The, the, it's, very, uh, it's very eerie. It's very hypnotic. I think the entire vibe of this movie is hypnotic in, in the writing and the framing, uh, the, the shot. The whole thing just sucks you in until you get to that third act. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised on where that third act goes.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the the pace of this movie is very deliberate. It's never yeah. rushed. You know, it, it's like, hypnotic is a great word for it, but it also never feels aimless. There's definitely no, no. it's going someplace, mm-hmm. and when you get there, you're going to be like, ah
0: ha 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 <laughs> Yeah, it is. But uh, so this is, as we said, this is debuting. They've got a lot of a lot of events going on right now as we uh, as we tape this. In fact, we did q and A Q&A with uh, with some of the cast and, and crew last night at the main premiere. But after this. Weekend. Then it's going to start the rest of the month. Going to start going out to New York and New York, and, York LA. and
1: L.A., Minnesota and Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, and so just-
0: definitely look for it. Look for it. It debuted at Tribeca um, and got a great response at Tribeca and uh, and just I think I really hope and I'm and I'm really expecting a lot of big things for not only this film but the filmmakers. It's mm-hmm. the first feature for Loose Films mm-hmm. uh, that these uh, producers uh, put together a few years ago. And yeah, really worth checking out. You'll see it coming to a wider release in the next few weeks. But keep a lookout for Poser. We enjoyed it. Got a horror thriller comedy next about a group of high school students whose school bus crashes on a field trip. Relationships are tested once they realize they are being stalked by an attacker who intends to drive them out and straight into a horrifying fight to survive. It's called Unhuman. Unhuman. The heroes, not the zero. Keep up. Ooh, wait, Keep up. Us. We need to find weapons. If you get us killed, I'm
1: gonna be so pissed.
0: What do you suggest we do?
1: I say we draw them to one side of the
0: building and then slip through the other. What is it with you shut-ins and you zombie fantasies? We're not in a goddamn comic book, okay? Whoa! Watch the dolce.
1: Do you have a death Do you have a death switch? Is it that bad? Uh more
0: like badass. Well, this is another one from Blumhouse. I should have said Blumhouse uh, was behind Dashcam as well. Mm. So this is more Blumhouse, and this is also on VOD. And you enjoyed it? We enjoyed Uh, it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of John Hughes meets George Romero. So yes, please. (laughs) Right? I'm like, okay. That it is funny. It's very darkly funny. I mean, it's not you know, it's not Shaun of the Dead. It is a darkly comedic tale. And it, um, it also, you know, it's, it's pretty relevant and almost, I would say, perhaps unnervingly relevant right at this moment. But it does a great job of pushing your buttons and freaking you out in equal measure. The performances are really quite solid. A lot of times when you get those stereotypical, the jock, the popular girl, you know, right, the, right. Uh, the goth girl or whatever, you can feel like they're very one note. But it's written and directed in a way to give each of these actors the chance to really sort of grow into the characters, give them a little bit of dimension without without saying, oh, you know, you've judged them too harshly too quickly. No, they are that person, but there's more to them than this one dimension. So I thought that the performances were one of the reasons the whole film worked as well as it did. It's got one of those sort of clever twists that maybe doesn't work as well as the filmmakers think it might. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, I think it more than makes up for that with a really almost mean-spirited sense of humor.
0: And it, they know, believe me, the John Hughes vibe because if you see the movie poster, the tagline at the top says, the dead will have this club for breakfast. Oh, yeah. So that, <laughs> that's the vibe that they know they're they're tying into. And uh, yeah, it's another fun one. We love horror comedies. Well, you know, we love horror movies anyway, but horror comedies can be so much fun. Uh, When they're done right. And this is on VOD starting this weekend. We liked it called Unhuman. All right, we'll move away from horror for a biographical war drama. Legendary 20th century poet Siegfried Sassoon's lifelong quest for personal salvation through his experiences with family, war, his writing, and destructive relationships goes unresolved, never realizing it can only come from within. This one's called Benediction. It's one of the inconveniences of the shadow life we lead. Friends may come, friends may go. Enemies are always faithful. Life goes slowly on. I'm trying to understand the enigma of other people. In my life, I feel as though I've been waiting for a catastrophe to happen.
1: Most people live for the moment. you live for eternity. Christy Robb reviewed this one for us at MadWolf.com and she loved it. Part of, I think, the reason that the movie works as well as it does is is that it uses a non-traditional structure that really um, matches well with the poetry of Sassoon. It really, the, the two go together so well that you kind of, um, you just succumb to it. You succumb to this very unusual, disjointed structure. It almost, in a weird way, reminded me of Rocket Man, in that it uh-huh. did not follow that traditional biopic of, of right. uh, Elton John's life, but it used his songs instead to tell the story in a very different way. And right. that's kind of what this one does, it does as well.
0: This is writer-director Terrence Davies, and this is just sort of, this is his... Modus operandi is it. This is what he does if you've seen any his work like a Distant Voices, Still Lives, uh, The House of Mirth or A Quiet Passion. This kind of way, these are the kind of stories that he tells, and this is the way that he tells them. And once again, very effective here, led by a couple of great uh, performances by playing Sassoon young as a young man, and then you get a different actor to play him as an older man. So Jack Loudon plays the young Siegfried Sassoon, and then Peter Capaldi comes in and plays him as an older man, and they just go back and forth, but still very effective. And really, I think uh, if you read Christie's review, and uh, please do, at MadWolf.com, she was very moved by it.
1: Yeah, she was really moved by it. And one of the things that she appreciated is how well it embraces the sort of literary traditions of post-World War I, you know, the kind of thing that... That uh, James Joyce, the way the style of writing, which Mm -hmm. was very different than what came before or what has come since and the way that the film structure embraces that.
0: Right, right. And it's it's the type of storytelling that really sucks you in. And, And if it's if it's a type that you enjoy, I think you'll probably just be as equally captivated buy it as as christy was and again her full review is at madwolf.com it's out in theaters now and it's called benediction (laughs) and next up is a family adventure comedy after a meteor falls to earth eight-year-old hung meets an alien girl from the planet maka searching for her lost friend the alien helps hung make new friends and heal a broken heart but danger lurks everywhere this is called maka girl from another galaxy
1: You may also just find it as Meka, and this is a Vietnamese film made by a filmmaker who clearly has a lot of nostalgia for the big blockbuster American films of the 1980s, <laughs> ET, yeah. The Goonies, yeah. all over this movie.
0: Yeah, this is uh, writer director Ham Tron, if I pronounce that right, and Tori Haynes actually reviewed this. You can find her review. At MadWolf.com. But yeah, she caught that vibe definitely. <laughs> uh, we're getting some 80s vibes this week. Yeah, for sure. And this one certainly has the E.T. vibe especially.
1: And it's one of those things that uh, they've they've kind of abandoned in the decades since then. But in the 80s, these these family films, they did get scary. You know, the kids were actually in peril and they had to make some tough decisions. And this movie doesn't shy away from that. It's, it's charming and delightful and a little bit silly. And um, and just, uh, you know, especially if you if you have a fondness for those movies of the 80s and you want to watch something with your kids. I think that this is a great choice.
0: Yes. And it is, of course, as you said, Vietnamese film. So subtitles on VOD. And you can check out Tori's review at MadWolf.com. And that is Meka, or also known as Meka Girl from Another Galaxy. Well, the lobby has a do not enter sign on it this week. Uh, the <laughs> schlocketeer taking the week off. So that means double the knowledge next week. And next week has another big one. If we're looking for something maybe to take down Top Gun Maverick off the uh, off the throne at number one, maybe Jurassic World Dominion is up to that gig because uh, that'll be debuting next week.
1: Also some smaller films including Tahara.
0: And a title I love, a movie called Nude Tuesdays.
1: <laughs> and a movie I loved all about evil. Oh
0: yeah, you've already seen that one. Also a sexplanation. Policeman's Lineage. And Ninja Badass. <laughs> Interesting. Those are some good titles and one big wannabe blockbuster next week. But that's next week. This week, what do you think? Boy, there's a lot to chew on, especially if you like horror, Crimes of the Future, Watcher. Uh, what do you think about dash cam? Holy Moly. Uh, let us know. <laughs> we love to keep the conversation going because I've already seen a lot of people on social media speaking out about dash cams. So oh, yeah. Our I'd, friend Brooklyn Ewing hated it. I'd love to hear <laughs> what you think. You can always find us uh, at Mad Wolf on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's all for you there at MadWolf.com. So have a great week. Keep in touch if you can. Happy summer. And until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is The Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.
1: Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.